With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid, Dave Zeitlin, Baxter is laying on the floor, completely knocked out. And if you think that I'm going to let you take the penalty kick, <laughs> then you got another thing coming. You wouldn't let me take it? Would you let Baxter take it? If he was pleading for his uh, his big moment? Which uh, <laughs> foot do you think he would take it with? Would he take it with a front foot? He's I got two, two front feet and two back feet to take it with. He might go with his like butt, I think. He might take it with his butt. Butt to ball, the old dog shot. Dave wanted to use the uh, Game of Thrones theme song. <laughs> To open today's show, but we uh, I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones. I it's it's pretty bad. I listen to like podcasts on Game of Thrones. I like read articles on Game of Thrones. Do you you go to like the Game of Thrones Reddit and uh, look at that? I'm not a Reddit, but I'm deep in like the uh, binge mode podcast, which is pretty good. So so what do they talk about? Do they have fan theories and any spoilers on there? No, they talk about the books too and the show. But uh, yeah. I'm pretty into it. It's been a good start to the season. Well, the uh, Philadelphia Union also drama. Your ten, not as much death, uh, but not drama. as much yeah, not as much death um, or sex or violence. Yeah, because uh, it's just <laughs> soccer. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they. Uh, but there was drama. There was a lot of drama last night. I was not down there, but Dave Zeitlin was down yeah, there. Yeah, uh, I was you fired know, up. But more importantly uh, than all that, we'll we'll get into that, of course. But uh, yeah, an important win for the Philadelphia Union, who cut uh, the gap to. With Columbus back to five points, you know, it was this weird home and home situation where they went out to Columbus and they lost, uh, and the gap was eight points. And if they had lost uh, last night, they would they would have dropped all the way down to eleven, double digits with a lot of points to make up and not. It would have been over at that point. We'd have to cancel our yeah our podcast. Yeah, really. and we would just have to <laughs> you know go back to whatever we were doing before the podcast. Um, but no, a big win for them, three yeah, nothing, two red on cards. They're now, still. Yeah, and they're still within, uh, you know, striking distance of the last playoff spot. So, uh, you were down there. I was not. I was refing at uh, So Five uh, last night, Wednesday night, and uh, you seemed pretty fired up about. Yeah, I was the, a little uh, fired up. This, I think yeah. a couple other people were. Yeah. I, I don't know. The Alberg CJ thing kind of struck me the wrong way, only because it happened earlier in the month. It, in uh, KC, where uh, CJ drew a PK, and we talked about it, and he was in KC's home hometown, or where he played his uh, first few uh, years, and Albrecht took it from him then, and you could tell CJ was a, l- a little bit annoyed, and then he did the same thing, and CJ was just yelling at him, like, I want it, and um, Albrecht just wouldn't, like, relent, and... The fan response I got when I was uh, kind of going off on uh, Roland Alberg was 99% of fans saying, yeah, he's uh, not the kind of player you want. He's not a good teammate. Um, after the game, they kind of downplayed it more, probably because they won. Curtin said it's fine if you argue. Uh, CJ was cool with it. But, um, yeah, it just struck me the wrong way. Um, how was your take on it? Yeah, I just tried to backtrack this morning and look at all the context surrounding not just that play but also the the – 
you know, the situation in Kansas City and also where CJ is at in the scoring charts. Obviously, the big takeaway from the main focus for a lot of people is that CJ was on nine goals, and if he hits the, this one, he's got his 10th for the first time ever. Uh, sets a personal record with double-digit goals for the first time in his career, uh, going back to 2011, so the first time in seven seasons. Uh, he deferred to Roland in the Kansas City game, yeah. Um, and then it was the same thing in this one. Obviously, he was annoyed. Um, the, in the play itself, I mean, when you look at the genesis of it, it starts with Harris Madunian winning uh, a tackle uh, in the defensive half of the field. Uh, he plays a really, really nice outside-of-the-foot uh, clipped ball that splits two lines. I think it was Ilsenio then. on the Was he on the right side who played the one-touch to Allberg, who played a great ball behind to CJ? So, look, CJ doesn't get behind if Roland doesn't play that great pass in the first place, all right? Yeah, CJ goes down uh, under the contact, and so you would, you know, on, on first look, you would say that he earned it, quote, earned it, right? Um, but Allberg had a huge part in the play, too. You know, and CJ's not in unless Roland plays that in. So... You know, I think the reason that it looked really, really bad was, number one, because CJ uh, was on 10 goals and everybody kind of wanted to see him uh, reach that mark. Number two, CJ comes off as the most unselfish player on the team. Right. And Roland often looks like the most selfish player (laughs) on the team. Yeah. So I don't think anything that you were saying or anything the fans were saying was off base. Um, You know, just trying to look at the context of all of it, uh, the optics of it just looked Looked bad. Yeah, you know? and people have asked us about like um, Roland Alberg, and he's he's nice to talk to. You know, I've sat down with him for a while. I understand why he's been kind of like cut frustrated, but um, just on the field, if you watch him, he's just a looks like a me first type of player. He, even in the second half, he was just firing these like long shots. Um, he has bad body language a lot, and we've been down that road with players who've had uh, bad body language who are me first type guys, and it just it just never ends well. And I think the fans can see that, and I think that's why. The fans are 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 just um uh, just like I'm really down and really right down now. Yeah. and even that's the thing I mean because then when you look at that play individually like I said he had a really good pass that that led to CJ getting through but nobody thinks of that because Roland's body language and his attitude or the per- perception of that uh, takes away from the good things that he does do he overshadows himself um, with these crappy patterns of behavior. You know what I mean? He's almost doing himself a disservice yeah. because he is a talented player. And nine times out of ten, he will finish that penalty. And he is a good finisher. <laughs> you know, So I think more than anything, he lets himself down um, by this behavior that whether he is selfish or not, it looks like he is. You know, I was also confused by Curtin after the game saying both guys want to win which is true it's all about the uh, three points if it was all about the, the three points they wouldn't be arguing about who gets the uh, goal right i mean they both wanted to score the goal they're both good at pks right like yeah. there's a 90 percent chance for each that they make it like uh, cj was perfect on the year so is roland so the fact that they're arguing is not about it, it at that point, it's not really about the team and about winning. It's about who gets the goal, who earned it more, who needs it more for their confidence, right? It's more of a yeah. player thing. I yeah. didn't see it as a, yeah, because Roland is kind of a selfish guy who wants to score, and uh, CJ wanted to get to 10. And even though he had downplayed it, I think, in quotes in the in the past, where he said it didn't. Oh, wait, I got a <laughs> phone call coming Hang on, here. hang on, there's a call. Hang it's on. a uh, it, it's a Jim Curtin calling in. Oh, no, it's from, well, it was from. <laughs> Portfolio recovery, whoever that. <laughs> yeah, how do I silence this damn thing? So unprofessional. Yeah, I'm slamming the. Hang on. 
Uh, is it stop ringing? Okay. Can Baxter get it? That, oh my god, how do I turn <laughs> this thing off? Uh, hold? Maybe I hit hold. Okay. This um, is what happens when we get a landline in here. Alright, I just hit We try mute. to do it for you. I just answer the phone and I hit mute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where was I? Uh, I was talking about uh, Roland and C. Okay. Um, oh my god, this thing is still... Okay. I gotta work on that. Uh, <laughs> Roland and uh, we're just rolling right along here on the uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast. Can we cut that section out? Or um, Yeah, but it's, you know, the, the unfiltered humor yeah. is why I think people listen to That's why to you guys listen first, for yeah. the occasional phone call from... From uh, Portfolio Recovery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, CJ, I mean, he's always downplayed in the past. He said, you know, that you guys talk about that you guys be in the media. You guys talk about the 10 goals thing. I don't really think about it that much. And he's, he's right. And I do... I, I, I believe him... I do believe him to a certain extent when he says that because CJ has always been a kind of uh, spiritual and earthy kind of dude who's who sees yeah. things from a macro sense and he's very zen and very, uh, you know, just a different kind of guy. So when he says stuff like that, I, I believe him. You know, yeah. but he in last night then he said in the when I got the quote sheet, you guys were there, so you probably had a better understanding of how he said it. Um, but he said, "Yeah, you know, when I did, I didn't think it would matter as much. But when I, I got, did. when I got there, yeah, it did mean something, you know. Um, but it, it's not, to, it's not to say that. Well, well, then for the other a- aspect of it, Roland just wants as many goals as he can, you know. So yeah, there was an he element. He wants to get back in the field and play. Like he's frustrated with his playing time, and Roland thinks more goals is good for his own personal status. Yeah." So this argument was better than the one that they had in the Montreal game where they were all bitching yeah. at each other because Fafa didn't square the ball and they had the heated halftime yeah. argument that Brian and I talked about last week on the podcast. But is so, that, that, so if you're going to have any kind of argument, I guess this is a better one. But does that tell you something that in one week Roland has been arguing with teammates twice in two, two different games? And yeah. Curtin says, you know, he likes that. He likes when guys kind of like yell at each other. Do you buy that? He says all good teams have that. But it seems like a lot of peripheral stuff, and it's focused on a lot of on one player right now uh, in Roland Alvarez. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I believe, Jim, that that stuff's good as long as guys can get over it. But then when you see the celebrations, it's not like they're all, you know, running right. into each other's arms. And you know, I watched Roland closely after the uh, CJ goal, and he was very slow to get over there. He did try to high-five, and people said CJ brushed him off. I think CJ was kind of in the middle of his dance. So, yeah. um, And you got to credit CJ afterwards. He could have made it a big deal because he was mad about it at the time, but... He downplayed it, probably because he did score. If he didn't score a goal, the quotes from CJ could have been different, perhaps. Or maybe he's just, he is a good professional. I mean, maybe he didn't want to really air his grievances through the media. Well, the irony of it, too, is that out of everything CJ did in this game, I think the goal was probably the least of his contributions. He had two (laughs) Two assists. Two assists. was amazing. And he earned, he drew the foul, technically, (laughs) that led to the penalty. Um, Is it the best game of the season for him? Yeah, and even though he reached a new uh, career high in goal scored, he also tied his assist, uh, his personal best in assists with five. So he's on on pace to shatter all of his personal marks um, this year. And again, the irony of it to me is just that even in a game where he sets a personal best, his contributions in other areas are still the most important thing. The knockdown header that he has on the Marcus Epps goal, that's, cl- that's clinical CJ target man play yeah, right there. Play. And stuff that we've seen all the time that he doesn't get a ton of credit for because I don't think the greater MLS community is really paying attention to it. And some guy came on Twitter today and said that 
uh, I was smug or something like that because uh, I wanted to see, I guess he was just, I guess there was just this assumption that I wanted to see CJ fail because I've been kind of critical of him in the past or because of the dumb exchange that Jim and I had over a question that I didn't even get to finish that was probably a bad question in the first place. Yeah, that was a fine question. But then like, people want to make these assumptions like that we want to see, we don't want to see CJ get to 10 goals or, yeah. well, Kincaid's disappointed because Sapong, you we, know, got we defend, there. We defend CJ. I mean, yeah, we defend him a lot. Well, that's what I'm Just saying. Look at I, me last night. I, I was going after Alberg in the name of CJ. Like I felt bad for CJ in that moment. And... Uh, just for the record, I don't. I've never wanted to see him fail. I've never had anything against him. You have not had anything against. I don't think anybody. You don't want to see any players fail. Like like we're the media. We're not like just so what? So we're not we playing can get a rise out of yeah. it and say, "Ha, I told you so." It wasn't that I was you know coming up with some insidious shit. When I was saying that he struggled in the summer, I mean, we had facts to back that up, that when he hits that lull yeah. in July and August, he stops scoring goals yeah, for whatever it, reason. That wasn't storyline, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't something that we were making up. So, I mean, we've always, the, the thing with CJ is that he's always been, we've always seen what kind of talent he has and what kind of skill he is, and we were always waiting for that breakout year. Um, you know, he just could never get to 10 goals for whatever reason. But now he's I, there. Now he's there. And I see his numbers this year are better than Fernando Adi. Yeah. Who has ten and two? CJ has ten and five. And I think the penalties. I think Adi might have two. So there's no reason that CJ Sapan can't be on the level of a Fernando Adi or an Eric Torres or even a Josie out the door in the in the should have been on the Gold Cup. Even though Jordan Morris did score the tournament winning goal, <laughs> well, yeah, and he didn't do shit else for the rest yeah. of the game. But I, but I don't. That's always where it's come from. It's never been a. It's never come from the direction of uh, you know some kind of personal vendetta against CJ or something that uh, something that we have against him. It's always that we've identified him as a guy's potential. Look, I mean, the coaching staff of this team even tried to move on from him this year. Okay, they signed Jay Simpson because they thought he could be a bona fide starter, and Jay Simpson, who's making more money than CJ Sapong, is now sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the the criticism was also internal, and the expectations were also internal. So it's not like. There's this manufactured idea that like the people in the media like have a thing for CJ and want to see him not get there. That's not true at all. It's just that I think we've held him to a higher standard because you see what kind of player that he really can be, you know? Yeah. So anything else about that kind of play, that uh, moment you want to get to before moving on? I thought it was interesting that CJ did go over to uh to um Jim Curtin to kind of appeal to take the PK and Jim kind of brushed it off and then he said afterwards he let um um Ollie Bedoya make the call. Yeah, well, that's the captain, I mean, which I hadn't realized. And Ollie said, you know, uh, uh, Roland gets this one, you get the next one. So, I mean, I well, guess, I'll ask, I'll ask you. I mean, yeah. is is Curtin's policy number one working, and number two, does it make sense? Uh, I think it makes sense for the most part. I think if you're the head coach and you see two teammates um, yelling at each other, and if you, if Curtin felt the same way I felt or some other guys felt that CJ deserved it. I think he has the right, obviously as a head coach to step in and say, CJ gets the kick, but he doesn't want to do that. He's made his point clear. I respect that point. Um, I just think maybe I made, I made the point that if you see two guys yelling at each other, maybe at that point you should try to uh, kind of like uh, step in and change the situation. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And there's, their philosophy has always been that, you know, you can't, if you designate a guy before the game, what's to say that, you know, if you designate Alberg to be the guy and he's involved in the red card foul and he goes down, somebody lands on top of him and he's heated or his legs bothering or something, you know, it's always the concept of letting the penalty draw or take the penalty 
Um, I mean, you don't know what kind of state they're in yeah. physically at that part of the game. Also, I, I get that. It but, also should be said that the guy who draws the penalty is not going to get to pick up the uh, ball first because he's usually on the ground. On the ground. Yeah, so <laughs> so that's I mean, very true. So CJ's on the ground. Albrecht's right behind the play. He obviously gets to the ball first. Yeah, so. but I mean, and, and then further, something that I probably should mention earlier, but when when CJ hit a couple penalties earlier in the year, you know, there was the one handball that Pontius hit off uh, of a Red Bull defender's arm that CJ had nothing to do with, and then he converted. Pontius let him take the penalty to get the hat trick and then there's one in the Colorado game where there was a handball in the box to the CJ had nothing to do with that he converted so at the end of the day if you're looking at the bigger picture here I mean those those two that Roland took from him ended up being a wash because he got two that didn't really have anything to do with with himself either you know so at the end of the day he still probably would have been on 10 you know if those things were reversed but I don't I don't know I, I agree with you I think if it gets to the point where the players on the field can't figure it out then yeah the coach has to step in you know he's tried to defer to them and let them do it and i don't have any problem with that philosophy but then it you know it led to something like that it happened with the um crew and it led to a player being traded so like these things can escalate so yeah that's gotta, very true gotta be careful that all right let's move on two other goals el Senio and uh marcus epps opening his account we talked to epps after the game i got to talk to him one-on-one for a few minutes he was obviously very happy uh, two straight starts for Epps. I mean, he didn't play at all the first uh, 12 games. Now he's getting his chance, but it's kind of a fluky thing with mm-hmm. uh, Pontius gone, Herbers hurt, uh, Fafa hurt. So um, how do you like his game? It's good. It's Perhaps unpolished. Here. But, um, you know, I think in earlier games this year, he was getting dispossessed when he uh, would then find himself on the ball because I think he was kind of caught in between two minds of whether he wanted to drive at a defender, whether he wanted to put a cross in, whether he wanted to try to try to make a move but i mean you see the talents there you, know, you yeah. see the skills there he's the guy fast. he's fast the guys seem to like him you know he yeah. looks like he has better chemistry obviously than Alberg and Elsino out there um and he could be a good a good backup or a good spot starter um for this team for sure you know not having herbers is one thing not having pico not having Pontius. so the fact he were down three wingers yeah uh, last night going into that game was a big spot for him and i think he's done pretty well so why not? You know, I like his game. I think he's got some upside for sure. I don't think he's a star. He's, I don't think he's close to being a starter when everybody else is healthy. But um, no, no, I think I think he uh, he took the goal well and he's doing what he has to do. He's a good bench know, so. guy moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And he's a good um, dancer. He is a good dancer. Yeah. He danced after his goal. He That's said it important. Was, he said it was some kind of dance he did, but I didn't know what it was. The uh, what was it? Uh, Millie dance or something. Uh, we we're both old. Millie dance. We're both, we're both older. Have you guys heard of that? <laughs> I was like, what? We're both older and yeah, we're older, old. So I don't know if we I looked it really up on, a, on my YouTube quickly. And, and El Senio gets a goal too. You know, um, I didn't think that. You know, a CJ with the bicycle. I don't even know if he was trying to put that on goal or if he was trying to just knock it back into traffic. But the great finish, yeah. And uh, those are the things from El Senio that we've seen him do in the past, and you just wonder why he can't be uh, more consistent. But yeah, I mean, it was a win they needed. Um, you you were sitting in there when Burhalter. Yeah, I was going to get to that next. Yeah, uh, yeah it was interesting because Burhalter came in after uh, Curtin went, so the room cleared out entirely. The uh, the um, visiting coaches don't um, usually come in anymore, so it was just me, a Columbus writer, and like two other guys, and he just went off. Um, he channeled his uh, his best impression of uh, Mike Petke. Um, he didn't bring any like visuals like Petke did, but yeah, he went off on the ref. He the said it was disgraceful. He, he used every word in the book. He said 
they are focused too much on international competitions after he focused on MLS. He said both red cards were a joke. He what said, does that mean? Like said, they get an assignment for like I guess PSG like guys in the Gold Cup or, or, yeah, yeah, I guess like stuff a, like that. Excited about that, but they don't give a shit about yeah, that. Okay, I don't right, know. Right. I okay. I wasn't sure about half the stuff. He's can't wait till uh, BAR <laughs> is in. He said El Sino on the second red card. Um, that hit El Sino in the face. He said El Sino acted. Um, he should be ashamed of himself, which was interesting to hear an opposing coach say that about a uh, a um, union player. He questioned uh, the union's uh, sportsmanship a couple of other times. He said we weren't beat by uh, Philadelphia. We were beat by the refs. So <laughs> it was interesting. It was a, uh. it was an epic post game rant that no one was was there for, and no one was really paying attention to because it was during the. Um, the um, Gold Cup final, so it kind of got swept <laughs> under the rug, true. which yeah. is kind of like fitting yeah. for our Columbus crew, which I feel like Greg kind Berhalter of like sitting in under the, the radar sometimes. Four, anyway, four dudes, yeah. <laughs> well, I, he's not wrong. He's not. He's wrong about a little bit. The, the red cards weren't as terrible as he made it seem. And, well, I uh, think that the I think looking at the replay of the first one, you know the the initial contact that Mensa. Put, puts box, in CJ, man. you could just very well say it probably started all, at least on the line or right outside the box. Um, and then the fact that he would give him a red card in addition to the penalty, I, I don't. I thought that they were tweaking the rule or had changed the rule, but I must be off base here because I my my problem with with denial of goal scoring opportunities is that you always end up with double or triple punish. You really you end up with triple punishment for those kind of plays because what happens is number one, you concede a penalty. Number two, your guy is sent off. Number three, he's suspended. Yeah. So you're getting punished three times for one play. I, I would rather that the rule be written that if uh, the red the uh, last man back, if he's taken down inside the box, you get a penalty, penalty and you give the defender a yellow card. If it happens outside the box, you don't get a penalty, obviously, but the, the player is sent off for, for dog so, you know? Because I just don't think... You know, multiple punishment for one infraction just kills the game. More than anything, it just kills the game. Because everybody knew it was over after that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah, pretty much. So, I just don't, you know, in in terms of what's what's best for the game, I just don't understand. Um, I just don't think that that's probably the best way to proceed. I think there's a way to tweak it. And when he's talking about the El Sino thing, yeah, he embellished. Of course he did. But we were all just bitching about, Ilya Sanchez putting hands to the face of Aguchi on Yewu and him not getting anything for it. Yeah. So I, I would be a hypocrite to sit here and say, well, Abubakar deserves nothing when we were talking about a play two weeks ago where the guy got nothing right. for, for, for something that they stated they were going to emphasize this year for hands to, the, hands to the face, you know? Doesn't it seem like all these coaches going after the um, refs in the way that they are almost seems like a, a coordinated effort? to like send a message to the league that you need to like improve this now this league is growing this is situation yeah. and they're taking fines they're just saying what they want to say like no one's holding back anymore it almost seems like all these coaches are like it's gotten like enough is enough well and they should also just pull like a uh, well what everybody in philadelphia should do is that if you get a ticket from the parking authority we should just all agree not to pay it and then what? <laughs> on a related note yeah <laughs> no but it PBA does sucks. yeah it does it does uh seem it does, uh, yeah, what's worse ppa or the mls refs uh philadelphia parking authority by by far yeah okay because the i mean like they around the at, at my place here they give you corner clearance they, they give you they just make up shit you know yeah. where at least mls is trying to operate by <laughs> some kind of 
skeleton guidelines here, whatever. There you go. What else do we have written down? Oh, we didn't even talk about Andre, huh? Yeah, Andre, talk about like, the Gold Cup. So it was yeah. weird. Yeah, the, the game was going on last night, so we saw some players in the um, locker room watching it, and I was actually in there just as uh, Blake got hurt. So I kind of missed that. I went back up to the room. I was writing my uh, Burhalter CJ story, so I couldn't really watch the game. I probably watched uh, less than you, but it sucks for Blake, man. He, he, got, yeah. he got them there, and to come out, it's good it's not like a big injury. He can come back soon. It sounds like, but to have to come out of a final, man, that sucks. Yeah, seven stitches for Andre, who had like a cut. Acosta must have got a spike, must have spiked him on the hand because he said that there he had seven stitches between his index and his middle finger, which is why you saw so much blood uh, on TV. But Jeff Carlisle saying that it was going to be 10 games with the stitches, assuming that he's 10 days, not 10 games, 10 days, yes, 10 <laughs> days, excuse me, 10 days, calm down, 10 <laughs> games would be like the rest of the, do they even have 10 games though? Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, 10 days, assuming he can't play with the stitches in, that would keep him out for Dallas. And obviously this weekend at new England, and then he would be day to day by the time Montreal home game comes around, which is not that bad because uh, John McCarthy has been good. He's made some big saves. He got the, uh, the um, clean sheet. Um, last night, Jim's praised him, so mm-hmm. that has to make fans feel pretty good, at least. Yeah, and uh, we were asking Jim about that at the press conference on Wednesday. I, you know, we've talked about John McCarthy on the pod a bunch of times, but you know, the the judgment of him based on who he's backing up. But but Andre, yeah, again, I mean, it was a huge audition in front of a big audience, um, and go figure on the play that he injures himself on, he makes a great double save. So, you know, is he had he has he still done enough, or, or did international teams see enough? Yeah, that his value is. I don't think anything that happened last night hurt no. his value, but I think there were opportunities for his value to increase that we did not get to see. And I was glad you asked that at the Tuesday press conference, just because Jim has said that they haven't asked about Blake teams from um, overseas, yeah, right? And it just, seem, it just seems it. hard. It seems hard to believe, or maybe teams aren't really watching the the uh, Gold Cup. I mean, there's a few different kind of theories out there, but to feel that they haven't gotten any calls about Blake seems seems. A but the weird. reason I and, and the reason I don't believe that is not, you know, it's not that I think that Ernie and Jim are like like bullshitting, but you know, we we know for a fact that Andre was pretty much sold two years ago to Belgium, and Andre pretty much confirmed that himself when when. It was me and Narducci standing there, and he said, well, the Belgium – I think the quote was the Belgium thing was a couple years ago. So we know that when Nick Sakevich was in charge, they were getting, they had pretty much decided to sell him. And I think what happened was that he got injured. So based on – if they had interest for him two years ago, you're telling me now there, now there's no interest? Because he's only gotten better. Yeah. And but I think, it just doesn't seem to match up I to I think me. they're holding out for a big sale, and I think Blake's holding out for a top-flight like EPL team, which which – to me, it seems possible. I, th- I think he could play for a, a big, big club, don't you? I yeah, mean, well, let me... Okay, so let me ask you this. In the, the... The union don't play a lot of... They don't do a lot of media manipulation, right? Ernie and that whole staff down there doesn't really believe in leaks. They don't believe in, uh, you know, putting out feelers. Um, and they don't really do anything to strengthen or weaken their position, right? They're kind of neutral on that stuff. If Jim Curtin and Ernie Stewart would say to you or me publicly, we have had calls for Andre Blake, does that 
increases value or decreases value? Does that help them or does that that hurt? That's them? a good question. Because in one on one on one hand, you could say a team might be paying attention. I'd say, oh, well, I, you know, maybe people are calling them. You know, maybe we should pay closer attention to him because they are getting calls for it. Or does another team? Or does that drive people away and say, oh, well, we have no chance? Like I don't know strategically how that positions them when they say publicly, whether it's true or not, that they haven't gotten any phone calls for them. Also, if you're them, would you be the ones getting on the phone and making those calls at this point? Like, do you want to sell Well, that's what I'm saying. They could very well have received no calls, but they could be actively (laughs) shopping him. You know, one thing does not mean the other, but I I don't... but do they want to be shopping him? I mean, we're not even sure about his contract situation. We think he has, like, one more season of team control of some point. That was my it's understanding. Here. Yeah. yeah, that it was, like, that typical GA deal where you had three years and then you had the plus yeah. one, plus one with the two team options, which I think is what Perry Kitchen had because yeah. he was here from 2011, 2012, 2013, and then the option in yeah. 14 and 15, and then they tried to get reach a new deal with him, and he, did, and he yeah. walked, right? But fans are worried he's going to be like a, a free agent. But I think he that, that's hard to be a, a free agent now. Like you need so much like years in the league still. So I mean, the team. Well, yeah, he wouldn't go. The to, team right. still have like a lot of control. Right? Could you imagine Andre, Andre Blake going into reentry? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, the reentry draft. Right. Yeah. So they would. The, so, so here's this. So let's just walk through the different scenarios you could have with Andre. Number one, you sell him now. Number two, you sell him at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Number three. You keep him around, and in the off season, you sign him to a new deal because you know he only has he's coming into his final yeah. contract year. Yes, I mean that's pretty. And he, even if you do that, you could still look to shop him, right? Yeah. If or so, option yeah. four is you take that option year, you don't reach a deal with him, and then you sell him next summer. You right. Try to make something off of him before he walks. Right. So that's yeah. really there's really yeah, only four. Sense. Is that right? Am I missing anything there? I think so. It's so hard with this league because the contract stuff is like so hidden, and like we try to get it. I've had it for players in the past. I messed it up in the past, so I apologize to the fans for not having a yeah. firmer grasp. I just on we don't, yeah. Situation. I wish we could give you more on it. We just don't. Well, I don't know. And I know that Will Parchman wrote something the other day on the Dom Dwyer uh, transfer from Kansas City to Orlando, and so it was one point six million dollars. A big chunk of that was in future considerations, if I understand it correctly. He also reported in his story, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but he said that, okay, so so what you and I know is that on a sale, MLS takes, what is it, like 33% of, yeah. a, of a transfer? Okay, so I've always understood it that if you sold, okay, say Josie goes to $10 million somewhere, the league takes will take $3,300 of that. And then my assumption was always that the, team would take the rest now apparently according to parchment i don't know if i read it correctly or not but only a certain portion of that money allegedly is is then allowed to be used on transfers to bring players in did you read that or am i I, I yeah that doesn't now if that's the case then what the hell happens to the other six point five minutes? Does it go into an IRA somewhere where you can't you can't touch it for another like four years? See that even if that's true, that's bullshit to me because yeah. if you would tell the teams, well, here's the rest of your money, uh, but you can't use it on players, 
So you just launder it through your own system. Say you're going to put it into the academy or something, and then you you magically find six point five million dollars <laughs> of the same money. Yeah. See, that's that's what I don't understand about that. Is if yeah. you're if you're putting restrictions on the money that they can use, what does it go into some cold storage at MLS headquarters? And they're saying, well, technically you have this, but we're not going to allow you to spend it. It kills the market for selling anybody. Yeah. You know, because number one, they're taking a cut off of it, and number two, you don't even nobody even knows what the hell the teams are allowed to do with the money that they do make. Because they were close to selling C, they had a deal to sell CJ Sapong, and it was like a million dollars to a team in Turkey. And so, MLS takes three hundred thirty three thousand dollars, and the union end up with six hundred thousand dollars. Screwed. So what? So yeah. why? What? Why? I don't know. And, why and sell? Yeah, yeah. I get it that it keeps your best players here. And uh, in the case of Dom Dwyer, he's playing for another MLS team instead of leaving. But it still doesn't. I don't think that's the, maybe the Andre Blake will up. Well, I'll be here for the next ten years. Build your team around him. Right? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing <laughs> in the world. But, but again, like I said, to to people, I, I'm not like beating the Andre Blake uh, transfer drum because I don't like him as a goalkeeper. I, I think that if I if I asked you this question, would you rather have? John Andre, McCarthy. Andre, John McCar- would you rather have Andre Blake and Roland Allberg, or would or John you rather McCarthy. have John McCarthy and Aaron Johansson? Yeah, B. You know what I mean? So B. it's that's just always how I felt about it. That you can you yeah, can use that money. If for they could use that money for a true um, attacking player who can make a, a big difference. I think you have to because they've been lacking that for a long time now. Let like me just star. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let me before we get to the questions. Let me let's just do a quick exercise here. The rest of the schedule along the way, we kind of pointed to them needing points now because we were wondering where the points were going to come from down the stretch. It gets hard. So I'm going to go through the the list of games that they have left here, and we're going to figure out what where the points. I'm going to tell you how many there. points for each one. Yeah, and I okay. did this in an article the other day, and I completely forget what I wrote. So I could ju- <laughs> I could just pull it up. Let's try and we'll it do it again. Yeah. Uh, at New England. Uh, one. I'll say one as well. Okay. Uh, Dallas at home. Oof. I'll say three. They've been good at home. I'll say they'd get a draw. Okay. Montreal at home. Three. I'll say three too. At San Jose. One. I'll say they steal a draw there too. At Toronto. Zero. Zero. <laughs> home to Atlanta. Uh. One. I'll say they win that game. Okay. Uh, at Minnesota. Three. Uh, I'll say one there. Uh, at Rebel. Zero. Zero. Home to Chicago. One. I'll say one, two. At Atlanta. Zero. Zero. Home to Seattle. One. I'll say one as well. At Chicago. Zero. Zero. Home to Orlando. Three. I'll say three. Yeah, I'll say three as well. Okay, so when I tally it up, you have them getting one, four, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seven. You have them getting seventeen points the rest of the way, which would put them on what are they at twenty twenty six plus seventeen right now? Mm-hmm. So forty three. Is that right? Did I do the math right? Um, and then I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve plus three. It's all been. <laughs> And I have them getting 15 the rest of the way, which I think puts them on 41. Yeah, yeah, they're 26 now. So it's just not enough. Uh, 41. Uh, Toronto is at 40 right now. Chicago's at 38 right now. <laughs> New York City's at 37. So, yeah, they 
even if they get all that, they'll yeah. still be. I just don't know where it's where it's coming from, you know. And last year, forty-two was enough to get them into the playoffs, but that was the lowest number that a that a wild card team has had since they expanded the playoffs. So I just I don't think I think the line on the Eastern Conference higher, yeah. this year is probably yeah, going to be 40, is good. You're right. 45 to 48, right? So I don't... Yeah, they were at 42 last year, and that barely got them in. They needed that tiebreaker, yeah. So, I mean, do you see this Do you see this happening? Um, well, the fact that we got to around 42 and they had that last year tells you it's, you know, it's possible. Things would have to break right. They'd have to steal more points in certain spots. I mean, you know, in this league, it's crazy. If you go on any... Uh, three-game winning streak, you're, like, back in the race. So I'm not going to count them out, but, yeah, I'd say it's unlikely right now. All right, so what do you got for uh, questions over there? All right, let's see. Questions. Oh, Hulk Union smash. Just From Philly Sports here. Rumor, was the Blake Hand injury a conspiracy theory by the um, union to keep European clubs away from our precious goalkeeper? <laughs> yes. We paid Kellen Acosta, Jim Curtin, <laughs> before the games, like Kellen. Yeah. Hit his hand. Uh, get him out of the game. Don't hit it too hard where he misses more than a week of MLS play. Yeah, they drew but, it uh, up get him perfectly. Just hard enough. Yeah, it was a, yeah. a perfect play by Kellen It was Kellen great Acosta. execution, yeah, to do it the way they did. <laughs> uh, Mike Cervetia, would you let Dave Zeitlin take the PK if he was fouled in the box? <laughs> I would let anybody take the penalty because I'm a defender and I've scored like one yeah. goal like ever. I've played in the rec league games I've played in. We've had like uh, PKs at the end, and I've always let the other guys take it. Yeah, so I'm an unselfish player. I've scored. I think I'm also I, not very good. So <laughs> I think I've scored like six or seven Casa goals in my entire career. I think four of them were headers off corner kicks. One was like a terrible penalty when we were already up six to nothing, which is why they let me take like the the seventh. Uh, goal, get the seventh goal but uh yeah no i would let you take it chris casanova what is the pathway out of this team for alberg he has overstayed his welcome thumbs up emoji oh. uh yeah he's they, he has an option year him and Elsina both have team options so they could yeah, so just the let them walk at the end of the year him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess if you really if he becomes a true cancer, which I don't think it's the case, you could just cut him now or try to trade him or sell him. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I think it's probably the end yeah. Of the I don't think a transfer right now it makes is what they do because they rarely do that anyway. They just wait for guys to play out yeah. their contract. And then, yeah. uh, Philly Terrace, who's out next season? What are the positional priorities? And number ten, <laughs> also thoughts on how to keep the fans on board. That's impossible. The Eagles are now playing football at the Novacare Complex. So there will be no fans or attention to this team the rest of the way. They missed their window. Football things are happening, Kevin. Football plays. Yeah, Marcus Marcus Smith, man, no longer an Eagle. Alan Barber, too. How about that? Yeah, how about it? Super Bowl. Super Bowl bound. When he was cut, there were like 12 straight tweets from Eagles writers. about saying he was cut oh was yeah like, right in a row yeah the whole th- when an eagle story breaks yeah. it's just like it's like mclean zach uh jimmy all the, yeah. all the guys like right in a row yeah uh austin shotsman if the union fail to make the playoffs will we see any radical moves in a roster what about if we bounce out the first round again they they've never really with the exception of maybe one off season they've never really done anything radical i'd say they might not even need to i still feel like there's enough talent there you just need a few Upgrades, right? So, what, read that question again. The union failed to make the playoffs. Will we see any uh, radical um, roster moves? No, I mean it's still just. Uh, yeah, I mean it's still just the front, just get front it, four. I think. Just yeah. get a number ten, please. We're begging you.
This is the part of the show where we accidentally uh, let out a Game of Thrones spoiler. So if you're not caught up to date with the series, uh, turn it off now. Uh, John Shields, Gooch versus the uh, Mountain. Who wins? Are we talking about the Mountain before he died and came back as like a mutant? Was that? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like he well no, ago. and there was like four different. Didn't wasn't the mountain played by like three different yeah. characters? Once <laughs> <laughs> one looked much more intimidating than the other one. Last one, yeah, yeah, he's like twice as big. The yeah. Norwegian guy, yeah, mountain versus viper. Yeah, great episode. I would pick Gooch to win. Okay, yeah, obviously, he played well last night too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Ransom, time to start. Kurt Anafa for uh, Union Coach. Yeah, we had some breaking news right before I came over here. Kurt yeah, Anafa was that. fired by the Galaxy. Yeah, so. I'm not. Sub- surprised at all i mean because they're an organization that's it's a a short leash though i mean think about jim curtin's leash compared to that i mean curtin alpha's first year curtin's had what three years well and curtin alpha had a prior coaching gig in mls too so maybe that has something to do with it um but yeah i mean the galaxy i mean the galaxy are at one uh level right now and the union are at another level so you know the galaxy have five titles and uh, a history and a pedigree and whatever and so they they're, they're not going to let a new coach kind of uh flail, flail about for a for a year you know yeah. they've got too much history and too much uh but the uh, union them. aren't gonna chase him he doesn't seem like a hot commodity no, no, off, no, no, no. <laughs> uh doobie brothers did i see some uh, baby spit up on ali bedoya's jersey can he tuck a spit rag in his captain's armband was there actually a baby spit up on his jersey that would be funny <laughs> if there was <laughs> Oh, Congrats man. to Ali on this podcast officially. Having two kids is tough, I can tell you that. Yeah. You're not going to get much sleep, but uh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, Scott Pugh, true, false. Alberg played last night like that guy in your men's league team who always shoots from the uh, the um, kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. In, in the second true. half, he was just blasting shots from everywhere. Like You got the sense he really wanted to score. He had, yeah, for all of the shots that they took last night, I think they had 27 shots, but I think they only had like six on yeah. goal or eight on goal. Epps took like? eight. Yeah. It was like one off a uh, club record. Wenger and Casey both took nine. Oh, okay. Epps yeah. was chasing that mark, but uh, Wenger and Casey's place in lore is secure. Yeah, I see that kind of that kind of guy all the time at the, at the pickup game. <laughs> He just splashed out. Give me the ball. Yeah. Doobie Brothers also, which questions you get the most often and which are the most annoying to get? Speaking of it, do said in a broadcast, he's 80%. Oh, that means he's coming back. 80%. That's close to 100. Well, we've played about 80% of the season. (laughs) Which question do you get the most often? Probably a do. Yeah. How much can we sell Alberg for from Welp Jordan? I don't know. No, you know what? One of the yeah, one of the questions we get a lot is always like something that we've already discussed on the show. I got to do a better job of like reading the questions beforehand and then like kind of tailoring the. uh, We need a producer content, and if Baxter can't do it, we have to hire a uh, human being. Uh, yeah, it's kind yeah, of. He's same. not going to be able to do it. <laughs> Ezra's bagel bistro. Does Blake's injury and substitution hurt the uh, chances of selling him? Does it help the chance of um, re-signing to a, a new deal? The injury is not. It's a small injury. I don't think it's going to affect. Yeah, much. yeah. Jeff Ren, trustee seems to keep getting minutes outside for uh, Bethlehem. Did the union see him as a cornerback or a full as a center back or a fullback? <laughs> I'm in football. Yeah. Well, he's going to challenge Malcolm they see him Jenkins as a cornerback yeah, this year. or an inside yeah. linebacker. Uh, I I think they still see him as a center back. Uh, that's what he played in the Swansea game. Um, and I think that's where he's played most of his time at Steele. Um, I think he played more. Last year, he definitely played more 
uh, LCB than left back for sure. I think they still see him as a as a center back, but it's nice that if he could go out on the left too, because that, it's just a position that I mean, you know, their history with a position, and you know, know if Wynaldum is going to be here long term in the future. What can, who else is going to come through? the academy at that spot yeah we're getting a lot of questions i guess it makes sense since it's a day after the game but a lot of people want to know if alberg is basically going to be he's going to leave exiled like race maboli <laughs> in maboli land is jim is going to put him on a plane today and i mean i, I yeah. mean the way they talked about it after it was not a big deal so i mean maybe it's just a case of a player who looks like he has worse body language to the fans, and maybe he is. He's just not. He is well liked in the locker room. I I don't know the inner workings of the team enough to say how popular he is with with his teammates. The fact that he's gotten into two on field arguments in the last week tells me a little bit of something. Yeah. But he's just not a he's just not a fit for this team. You know, yeah. it's a it's a blue collar two way defensive system with the blue collar defensive coach and he's a luxury uh, attacking player you know who really doesn't give a shit about running or, or making it look like uh he's putting the effort in. he's it's just not you know it's just not a good fit yeah so some game of thrones questions or now spoiler yes yeah, so if you haven't seen it we'll count you down <laughs> uh what should we do five if you haven't seen if you're not up to date on game of thrones i'll give you a five four Three. Okay. Two. All right, go ahead. Odds that um, Jorah just dies of an infection after getting half his skin removed in a, in a medieval-grade medical procedure. That was a gross scene, by the way. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think the, they're going to kill him off with the visual. Infection. Yeah, the visuals have been pretty... Uh, yeah, and then they transitioned that into... The like, cut to a, the soup. That was great. Yeah. That was great direction. And yeah, the montage yeah. in the first um, episode yeah. with the bedpans and all that uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty gross yeah. in that. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, Jorah seems like they're going to keep him alive and, and maybe yeah, meet up with Danny and have some role to play. Role yeah. to play in the wars to come. <laughs> um, uh, that was good. That was uh, good Russell you. Joy, what's more likely to happen first? Um, Gendry uh, rows back to shore and Joanne Hopeno returns to lead the team in assists. I like this question a lot. Uh, Gendry, yeah, like last seen three or four seasons ago, just rowing in a boat. Um uh, Robert Baratheon's son. Um, probably that, because I think he's going to come back. Um, Antoine Hopeno. What team? He's not even. What team is he on now? I don't think he's come back to. Is he still playing for like the Re- the Reno team or whatever? The, he uh, was on since. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he was over at that Reno eighteen fifty five. Whatever the hell they're called, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. All right, no more Game of Thrones questions. Uh, Anything else on there? Yeah, we got a couple more. Uh, Jeff Elmini update on when Fafa returns. Herbers. Herbers is more serious. That's like a few more weeks at least uh fafa seems less serious he could be in play yeah yeah I'll be, herbers i'll be down there tomorrow eight, so there's yeah. a chance fafa can probably come back this weekend we're not really sure about him yet we'll probably find out more um soon um Tallahassee union what are the expectations for the rest of the season just when they look like they're done they thumb columbus playoffs or play the kids um yeah they're, they're not i said before they should play adam Najem uh just because you know I don't want to say it's a lost season, but things aren't looking great. And and besides, he's probably almost as good as Alberg anyway. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, they don't really play the kids. I mean, they're still good. They're still gonna want to playoffs. I mean, Jim wants the playoffs. It could be his like job on the line, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, EJ McGrogan, who says no to re-signing Adu to a Gooch-type uh, veteran prove-it deal next year. Adu, the union, are both done with each other. I think they're both done. I think if Adu does sign a small deal with the team next year, I think he's going to want a change of scenery. Sometimes that helps. It helps Pontius. I think maybe he goes out like West to a team and maybe gets a small deal. Yeah, that's what I said small last week on the deal, pod. Yeah. I, th- I thought like maybe like a one-year deal with um, with like an LAFC yeah, or something, something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. Hey, that's all the questions I see. Do you see any on yours? Or? Uh, no, I was responding to some asshole over here on Twitter. Oh, um, come on, stay focused. Yeah, no, I was looking for questions, and then somebody said something stupid. So um, let me do a quick scan <laughs> here. Uh, what did he say? Was it about me? Was it about Baxter? No, it was about me. Uh, Eric, <laughs> sa- Eric says, can you guys give us more time to get the questions? In? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... You know, come on, man. I, what I, time. No, you know what I have to do is that sometimes people have been sending me like direct messages with like questions for the pod and stuff like that, and I, I, I sh- what I should do is I should just write them down somewhere. Cause it's not like we have like a, it's not like we have like a shared like email address where we just yeah. you know look for stuff. But I want to try to get around everybody's stuff. How about this? If I we got plenty. Yeah, we got oh yeah, lot. if I if I don't, um, you know, if we don't get around to it in the pod, I'll try to respond to them uh, on on Twitter afterward. Uh, Hulk, did we do this one? Can Hulk uh, can Hulky have a deep dive on the owner situation and if there's any hope in this soccer Vietnam that we call the Philadelphia <laughs> Union? He never also, includes me in his questions. No, Hulk, if you're listening, include my handle. Well, I think because he quotes, yeah, he yeah. quotes me quoting you, which okay. is why it doesn't show yeah, up. I didn't get it. What um, also? What did Fred have for lunch? I don't give a. I don't give a shit. What did Fred have for lunch? Uh, is there any uh, owner situation? Eh, that's something for another time. <laughs> um yeah yeah then more on that later um <laughs> we'll have an owner podcast yeah the five, five okay most of these uh why are away matches across the board this is from noah why are away matches across the board in mls so hard to come by um or so hard to win i guess is what he's trying to yeah, say do home uh, traveling do home crowds really play that much of a role i just travel that the travel coach yeah it hurts their legs yeah it's just the travel aspect of it. Get him um, a first-class jet. Expectations. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, all that stuff then. There's just a couple that, like, slip through because people think people are, like, quoting yeah. it or whatever. Um, Any predictions for their next game against the Revs? Well, what did we say on the damn thing? Here, we both said a point. <laughs> yeah, they've done well. They've done pretty well yeah, up they, there in the past. They play well there. Yeah, it's, it's a team they... Um... Gillette's like RFK at this point where you don't really worry so much about that road trip because it's close and they have a lot of experience playing there uh and those two teams aren't exactly world beaters either but yeah yeah, they have to because then you got dallas coming up right after that um even at home i don't see them getting getting three off of that but uh yeah i mean i'll say like a like a one one yeah this weekend i'll say like a six six draw yeah so philadelphia union five (laughs) points yeah that's a good one by you Five points back uh, right now. They need points now again because I just don't know where they're coming uh, down the stretch. Uh, that'll do it, I think, unless you have any uh, fun, yeah. fun yeah. parting words here. It was a fun game last night, and hopefully we get some uh, more drama in uh, New England. Maybe Craft uh, will be there. We shall see, and that'll do. Oh, oh, the phone call, quick! God, is, who is and the it podcast. This time? Grand Valley, Pennsylvania. I don't even know where the hell that is. All right, well, I'm going to answer the phone, but I'll leave you uh, for now. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin McKinney. We'll know who it is next time. Dave Zio, an episode, whatever episode this was. We'll see. 27.